and all of that. Good. So we got the recording has started. So again, welcome to the Scrabble uh, Conservatory Arts and Worship Center uh, for our Sunday service. We appreciate you being here. So we're going to start the message. Um, and typically you all are used to seeing our copyright notification and it, and it varies a little bit depending on which conservator is teaching that particular day, but the premise is still the same. Uh, we, we need to protect uh, what we have created. And so we want you to know that up front. And in addition to our copyright notification, I also like to make the disclaimer so people understand, not a doctor, lawyer, counselor, so on and so forth. What you hear on today is revelation. Um, God has provided through the study of the word, through my personal experience, um, education certifications, and even just um, speaking with subject matter experts or just uh, like-minded people. So want you to know that up front. Okay, I did not do this in presentation mode, so how about I get my life together? Okay, so this is our copyright notification, as I just said. Um, so that's there for your information. And this is always at the head of our uh, presentations as well, because we want you to understand what the conservatory is about, who we are, and what we are protecting as conservators. So I won't read all of that because you're familiar with that, but we are guardians and protectors. And I love that, uh, that terminology because what it means is that we, are, uh, we have been assigned to do something very important. Um, and again, that is pr to protect God's intent concerning this particular community and the four principles, um, which uh, are transforming nations, reinforcing covenant, elevating Christ above men and increasing understanding. And all of these particular principles are powerful in their own right and they're, they're massive in terms of once you study them out, but we stand on all four, we, we preach, we teach all four, we live all four, and uh, we pray that you have decided to do the same. The scriptures are there if you want to study those out and get more information and understanding. Um, please visit the school, the Apostolic Prophetic School of the Scribe YouTube page where I believe the Scribal Conservatory teachings are posted as well. And at the end of the day, uh, it's all about embracing immersion as our roots grow deep in Christ. This is our contact information. The Scribal Conservatory is based out of uh, Atlanta, Georgia, and I believe those who are in the geographical location there will be uh, beginning their uh, in-person meetings um, soon. And so if you are in that area, please reach out by email through the Facebook page or the website um, so you can get some feedback or information on what the meeting times are and the location. If you aren't geographically located there, you can still reach out through this contact information if you have questions, concerns, um, or things of that nature. So that information is there for you to reach out to the conservatory. Our Bible study is on Tuesday evenings at 7.30, and that is the, um, the Facebook page. You can type that in to find where we are there. Um, and Bible study is great because it's, it's similar to Sunday service in terms of having time for question and answer, but I, I believe Tuesday is more um, laid back in the sense that it is really time to uh, bring uh, even greater understanding in terms of question and answer. So typically what happens is what is taught on Sunday, it is also expounded on, on Tuesday evening. So there's a continuum of revelation and practical um, information that is given to us uh, as we move forward. So please join us on Tuesday nights at 730. And um, just to reinforce what God has been teaching us. And um, the, this is just a quick announcement about the Chamber of the Scribe. Please tune in. This is um, Charisma Podcast Network, where Apostle Teresa has a podcast, the Chamber of the Scribe. And um, it, the website is there. So check that out so you can tune in in terms of finding out about uh, Scribal Foundations and, and even the expansion and advancement of, um, you know, the Scribal Anointing 
uh, just just broadening your understanding of what that looks like. And I believe you can also download the transcripts um, if you'd like for those uh, various episodes. So check that out. Don't forget to leave a review or provide some feedback because um, most times that feedback is used uh, to formulate new classes or new podcasts or just to get an understanding of where the audience is and what they need. So the, the feedback is valuable. So please do a review or provide feedback. That would be greatly appreciated. And the Scribal Advance. I am super excited about everything that I've talked about so far, um, but definitely excited about um, the Scribal Advance. We weren't able to meet last year in person. And so this year, Praise God, we will be meeting in person in Atlanta, October 27th through the 30th. Um, This is going to be powerful. Um, This is a time for us to meet in person, to fellowship and come into community uh, together in person. Now that is so serious. I keep reiterating that because of its importance. We have been meeting online um, for a long while now, and it's been great because we've been getting, we've been uh, fed. Uh, We've been getting what we need, but there is something about physical presence that can't be replaced in terms of what we do online. So the fact that we're able to come together in person in October to be amongst our community, be amongst those who understand our quirks, understand the things that we do, how we process, and to just be poured into a minister to there is a there are so many things that are going to be offered this year. And you can see from this from the um, the flyer, there'll be the Scribal Justice Forum. Um, there's going to be a Scribal Arts Symposium and a session on book publishing. There's going to be some sessions on business uh, finance and business startups. There'll be some um, power coaching and mentoring uh, sessions, times of healing, um, Scribal Foundations, just an entire um, list of things that are going to be offered. So prayerfully, you can join us. Go to www.scribaladvance.com to register if you haven't. Get your book, your room, book your travel. Please come to the Scribal Advance. I am telling you from personal experience, your life will never be the same. It truly will change the trajectory of your life. So please register. Giving. And this hasn't changed, you know, we give because not because we have to, not out of obligation, but because there is a desire to sow into what God is doing in this particular community and through our leadership and and through all of us all together um, as a community. If you want to give to the ministry specifically, you can do that through PayPal. If you want to give to Apostle Teresa, you can do that uh, through PayPal, Venmo, or Zelly. And that information will be shared throughout the uh, service today. So um, don't worry, you'll be able to give if you so desire. So today we are continuing our series on the sound of heaven. So this is part two. And um, the subtitle is Get Your Head in the Cloud. Now, I know that sounds strange. Um, but we'll get to that. We'll get to why this is the particular subject for today. Um, but this lesson, I must tell you before I get started, has been expanding exponentially um, as I've been preparing for these lessons. And I'm like, Lord, this is this is too much to try to share, you know, in a couple of sessions. But the prayer is that what is shared will also expand for you as well that you'll take what you're getting in these sessions in the series and that you go and you study it out and you allow the Lord. And this is not just this series, but what we do at the conservatory period, that you don't just hoard information, take it and pile it up just to know that you have it. But there is a moving from compiling information to actually living the revelation living it, getting the revelation and living it out and demonstrating Christ, revealing Christ and making the sound of heaven in your respective environment. So prayerfully, that is what uh, we are doing. So let's get started. So our foundational scripture was uh, 2 Chronicles 5, 13 through 14. And I want to read this um, 
there's to me there's a component of activation when you add voice to what um what God's word is saying so we can read it but when you add voice to it in my opinion there's something else that happens and so I'm going to read this um and when the trumpeteers and singers were joined in unison making one sound to be heard in praising and thanking the Lord and when they lifted up their voice with the trumpets and cymbals and other instruments for song and praise the Lord saying, for he is good for his mercy and loving kindness endure forever. Then the house of the Lord was filled with a cloud so that the priests could not stand to minister because of the cloud for the glory of the Lord had filled the house. Now, this particular scripture, I could have used um, any of uh, a, a plethora of scriptures or verses. Um, but I wanted to use this particular one because there's a pattern that we see here. We talked about this last week, and I am going to do a recap before we get into the details of, of today's lesson. But there's a pattern that we see here, and there's something that comes out of following the pattern and precedent that God set from the beginning that is so powerful and something that we need to continue to repeat. It is, it is a repeatable pattern that um, God has given us uh, for, for us to carry out his will in the earth. So, and we also, the, these were, this was another scripture from last week, just to reiterate the fact that God's intent is for us to be one. And this is Jesus. This is, I use this one because it's Jesus praying to the father. This is not someone else coming to the father on our behalf. This is Christ. This is, this is Jesus, the son of God coming to the father on our behalf, asking that he make us one. And so we understand that if Jesus is asking this, then it is synonymous with God's intent from the beginning. So it is God's will and it is what we're supposed to do. We are one. We are to do what we need to do to become one. So this is this is the pattern or precedent. And I uh, appreciate Dominique for her um, teaching on Tuesday night, uh, this previous Tuesday night a Bible study. But she used the word precedent that God has set a precedent uh, in Genesis when um, based off of what I had shared on that previous Sunday. And this is what we're talking about here. From the beginning, God had an intent. He had an original thought of what he wanted things to be. And in Genesis, and I'm, I'm not going to read the scriptures, but you'll see here that in those particular scriptures, God established the environment. Then he, then you could see purpose established or essentially um, declared. Uh, and, and, and from that point, that is what everything else uh, was supposed to fall in line with. And then after purpose was established, after environment and purpose was established, the vessel was created or essentially sent. And God, in his great wisdom, revealed the purpose to the vessel so they could understand what they were supposed to do. And then purpose is fulfilled. So God is, God has the ability to rest. And I know that sounds really strange. Well, he rested because, um, creation was, he had finished making, you know, creating, he had done everything he needed to do. Everything was in place, but here, I just want to foot stomp the fact that yes, everything was in place, but his rest was more so everything being in place, but everything working according to his will so the environment could have been great but if the vessel wasn't there or if the vessel didn't know what purpose was the rest would not have been subsequent to this so everything was aligned and in place and so God was able to rest now we understand that scripture cannot capture every detail of what happened so when God rested because God is not confined to time he operates outside of time in his, in his mind and in his space and place, all that he wanted to take place was already done. God always operates from the finished product. He always operates from the finished work. So when he rested, he saw the full plan complete. 
completed. Everything was working according to his will. So he was able to rest. So keep that in mind. And I want to uh, start chapter three and eight, because when you read that, you'll see where it says um, they heard Adam and Eve heard God walking, heard the sound of his voice walking in the cool of the day in the garden. And um, and so that demonstrates communion. That wasn't the first time. I'm sure scripture doesn't tell us this, but we can infer from scripture. That wasn't the first time that God walked in, uh, in the garden and, and went to commune and speak with them. Now, I know this particular instance uh, was about um, correction because of, you know, eating the, the fruit and the, you know, falling in sin and all of that. But God, he didn't change his pattern. Even though sin had entered, God still was looking to commune with his people. So that need that that is started because I want you to keep in mind that when you read that scripture, you'll see the word sound. God, God, God's presence makes a sound. God being with us, communion in and of itself makes a sound. We're still talking about the sound of heaven, but we cannot come to that place of being of hearing the sound of heaven until we we resolve and walk in the truth that we are one. So I hope this is making sense. So I just did a quick table and I'm not gonna stay on this slide long, but I just want you to see and understand pattern. So whenever you're, and this is something that we teach at the conservatory, in your word, when you read something, you are not, it's not the harmony of the scriptures is such that if God has done something, you will be able to see it throughout scripture. A lot of people camp out in the Old Testament and neglect the New Testament. And that's not God. God is full. He's not in pieces. He's not part. He's not partial. He is a full. He's fully God. And his patterns are full. They are not to be dissected and pieces, the pieces we want taken and, and applied. No, we can take his precedence, his pattern, and we can apply it throughout scripture. So I just did this so you could see what that looks like pertaining to our foundational scripture of 2 Chronicles 5, 2 and 3. So the, again, the environment was established, purpose was established, which has always been image and likeness from the beginning. God's posture demonstrated what his intent is, not was, but is consistently, continually. He sent, he created and sent the vessel, set the vessel in place, Adam and Eve. Uh, he revealed the purpose to them so they wouldn't be lost and wondering what they are supposed to do in this set environment with this purpose. Um, you know, they would know what to do, which was to stay in line with image and likeness, to have dominion, to multiply, to do all these things. That also ties into image and likeness. Um, and then purpose being fulfilled, followed by um, God's rest. So we see what that looks like in 2 Chronicles 5. Now, in particular, God, uh, in 2 Chronicles, God is pleased and able to rest, meaning his rest is when he's able to commune with his people because his will, his will is intact and is going forth. So I hope that part makes sense. So I'm still in the recap. So when we make a sound, um, it's great. It sounds great. You know, last week I read something that I've written in 2012 about uh, an orchestra. We went a performance we went to see and everything sounded great. And then a young lady came forth with her piccolo and everyone else was quiet. She played her solo. She came back into the um, into the ranks and they resumed play and her sound, her particular sound did not distort the sound of the entire, um, you know, melody. You could hear it distinctly, but it didn't distort what was being played. And so our individual sounds are important. I'm not, nothing I say is to be condescending or condemning or to make it sound like we, what we bring to the table is not important. No, it is very important. And it's very needful as a matter of fact. However, it's a single note. It's a single sound. It's very unique and distinct um, expression. And so our sound is simply a personal agreement with God that we're saying, yes, I will 
reveal image and likeness. I will walk in image and likeness. I will, everything I do will yield image and likeness. That's what this means. And when we are in agreement, there is no interruption in heaven coming to earth. There is no interruption personally, individually. However, when we only rely on the individual sound, the individual note, the unique and distinct expression, it is limited, it is narrow, it is incomplete. And what happens is if it's consistent, it's continuous, it's, it's always what it's about, then it becomes noise. It becomes a distraction and a distortion. If you look at this picture, you'll see that you, we, can, we can imagine that if it was complete, it would be truly beautiful because even the colors pull you in and, and you're anticipating and wondering what the rest of it looks like. But then there's this, there's this um, you know, you feel some kind of way, to be honest with you, because it's like, well, where are other pieces? What is going on? I can't really uh, uh, understand what this is trying to convey to me because it's only about a limited view. It's incomplete. So it becomes a distortion of what was uh, what was supposed to be conveyed. And I'm going to I'm going to stop for one second. If uh, Prophet L.A. can hear me. Can you do something for me really quick? Um, OK, can you sing just one note? Hey, just keep repeating that. Hey. Keep repeating it. Hey, hey. Thank you. So she just demonstrated what one sound sounds like. And it's beautiful. That, it, it was beautiful. But if that's all we ever hear, we will not have the fullness of what we need. And the earth, the, 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 the world, the environments God has sent us to will never receive the fullness of who he is um, because it doesn't happen unless we are one. So the Bible tells us, and the scripture is there for you, 1 Corinthians 39 uh, and 11, that we see in part. And so if the word is telling us that we see in part, that's a, that is an indication that we don't have everything in and of ourselves for God's full big picture. We just don't. We need one another. I hope that makes sense. We need one another. It's not just about us. And so when we we just continue to make it about us, we continue to just elevate man above Christ. When we continue to worship man and, and not just man, but things that God has given us, gifts, when we elevate gifts above Christ, when we elevate anything, when we move into idolatry, we move God off of the throne and we move ourselves, others, and anything else on the throne, we are, we are echoing us. We are giving people us. We are not coming together and, and being one and unified so that people can get the real image of who Christ is. So the scripture is there for you to study it out. But this, this, I love this picture because it truly demonstrates what it looks like when we want to camp out and live at the place of me, myself, and I, and what I bring to the table. You, me, none of us are all that without Christ, first of all. And, you know, it, it, we just need to deal with that in the name of Jesus. We need to deal with this. This is so pressing. It, it has become an epidemic, a pandemic, it, uh, uh, whatever you want to call it, a crisis. But we have elevated man above Christ and we have completely diverted from God's original intent and pattern. We are one as a collective, as a corporate family, in fellowship and communion, that's God's intent, not this, not this, not this. 
it becomes noise. And we, we just did a demonstration of that. So, and I know that particular scripture is talking about, you know, speaking in tongues and everything, but the principle is still applicable. When it's just singular, then it's noise. It's a distraction. It's a distortion. And people get sick of hearing it. Those who want more of who God is, who want more of the fullness of who he is, people get sick of it. I know I do. And I know I'm not the only one. So we got, we have to remember that we are one. And so God's intent in us being one is that we're one body, one spirit, one sound. That's taking all the multiple notes, all the multiple sounds, all the multiple expressions, and we make one concerted, harmonious, concentrated, unified sound. All of the pieces come together to make one mighty, boisterous sound in the earth, the sound of heaven. The Bible tells us in Galatians 3 and 28 that it doesn't matter if you're Jew. It doesn't matter if you're Gentile. It doesn't matter if you're male or female or whatever your distinction is. Your singleness is important, but it is not the full picture. We are one in Christ. We are one. And when we are one, again, it demonstrates a full, it presents a full picture, a broader scope, and it represents completeness. There's a melody, everyone is engaged, and this is powerful. It preserves the original intent of the sound. It preserves the original intent of the sound of heaven, meaning it preserves the intent of God. If anybody is on this line and you have you have listened to um, the, the the Chamber of the Scribe podcast, if you have gone through the certificate to teach the scribal anointing, if you have been in the scribal prophets group, if you have heard anything that has been taught through the Apostolic Prophetic School of the Scribe or the Scribal Conservatory, you know that as scribes, our two mantles are to, to preserve and protect the word of God and to teach it to teach it, bring understanding so that people really understand what God means, not what we want it to mean, not what we think it should mean, not what we feel it should mean, but what is God's original intent. When we are one, we preserve the sound of heaven. We preserve God's intent. And I put Acts 20 and 27 there because when you read that, you'll see how Paul is telling them, listen, I have, I have not failed to do this. I've given you the full counsel of God. I've given you everything. I didn't give you a lopsided word. I didn't give you a partial word. I gave you the full counsel of God. And that is God's mandate. He's only, he was only able to do that because he was operating from God's pattern of oneness. Now, other people might not have wanted to be one with him, and the people that he was leading might have been contentious and having their feelings and all of that kind of stuff. But he was resolved and determined to present the full picture and not a piece to appease man. This is what it's all about. We are one. And when we become one, we we are able to show forth who Christ really is. We are not showing one dimension of Christ. We are showing his full kingship. We are not showing one side of him. We are showing who he fully is. We are not just showing one color, one facet, one component of who he is. We are demonstrating the power of community when we become one. There is, and I want you to really, really look closely at the heart that is comprised of the different color rope. If you pay attention to this, there is not one singular rope that is making the heart. It is the interconnectedness, the interdependence on one another that actually creates the outline of the heart. It takes all of us. It takes all of us. I hope you are understanding what I'm saying. We are one. And we know that being one and communicating God's heart and mind is all about his love 
Everything he does is from the foundation of love. And so when we come together, we show forth what that looks like. And, and, and as in terms of the word, and I love this picture. I love pictures. You guys know that in images. So the, the, the colors coming from the word demonstrate that it's God is not one dimensional. He is not one sided. He is multidimensional. We all have an expression of who he is, but boy, when we come together, the things that the body of Christ can do, the things that the various communities can do, and, 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 and the idea of heaven, God's intent, the, the clarity, the revelation, the strategy comes into full, clear picture. My God, can we understand why it is important that we be one? That's the full picture, not the one sound. And this is what happens by the spirit when we do. Everything that is going on in heaven, the place where God is, it's just, it, it, it filters down into everywhere we go. Every place we're sent to, when we are connected in spirit, one body, one mind, one goal, one focal point, Christ Jesus. There is a melody that it generates from our oneness that pulls us in and causes us to reverberate God's sound in the earth. The Bible tells us when the disciples ran up on Jesus and was like, teach us how to pray. Your will be done in earth as it is in heaven. The only way that is possible is if each note is playing as it's supposed to and connecting with the others to create the sound of heaven. I'm not going to beat a dead horse. So I, that's, that's our recap from last week. And so now here we are. Get your head in the cloud. Now I know a lot of you are like, she is crazy. Get your head in the cloud? Mm, I don't know about all of that. So um, when, when we hear, and this is just our foundational scripture again, because I'm staying right there with that. When we hear, get your head out of the clouds, typically that's used as a result of um, telling somebody to stop daydreaming, stop fantasizing, you know, um, stop being captivated with unreasonable ideas. Just get get yourself grounded, get yourself uh, thinking, focused, and thinking in a reasonable train of thought. And um, that latter, those latter pieces come from a place of um, sobriety. Now, and sometimes when this is used, you know, people are joking and are like, "Get your head out of the clouds" and all of that, because it's just like. Uh, the person they're speaking to is not, um, they're not focused, they're thinking about everything else than what they should be. And, and, and so it's fun. But then there's this, this serious component, like get yourself together, get stable, get grounded, be reasonable by practically and by the spirit and get focused. So this is what we typically think when we say, get your head out of the clouds. Um, but we know that in second chronicles and even you know all through the word we know that the we learned that god's glory is defined as not just his brilliance majesty renown and all of that but it also incorporates his mind his will his intent his purpose so on and so forth and a lot of times god god manifested in a cloud especially a lot of times in the Old Testament, but also in the New Testament. But so from this context, this is where the Lord started dealing with me. Like my people need to get their head in the cloud, not in the clouds as we understand it in our English terminology, but we need to get our head in the cloud, which is God's glory. When we go back to Second Chronicles, and I'm gonna go back so you can see, it says the house of the Lord was filled with a cloud. 
so that the priest could not stand to minister because of the cloud for the glory of the Lord filled the house. The cloud was God's glory and his glory is doxa, D-O-X-A. His glory is more than just the physical manifestation, but it is his mind, it is his will, it is his intent, it is his purpose. And so the house was filled with God, all of who God was. And so that is where our head needs to be in the cloud, in God, in the mind of Christ. That's why that's my declaration to, to us today, that we need to get our heads in the cloud. So I just talked about what dokes, I mean, just reiterating, because we already talked about that. But this is the problem. When most of the times, this is not everybody, because some people are doing what they need to do. Most of the time, when someone tries to describe God's glory, they typically reduce it to the sensory realm. What you can, what you can feel, what you can taste, what you can see, you know, what you can touch, what you can smell, all of this kind of stuff. And the request for God's glory, asking Lord, we need your glory. We need your glory. Most people are not asking for all of God. They're not asking for all of God. They're asking for a portion of God. And essentially what that looks like is you're going to a buffet line and you're picking the stuff you want and you're leaving behind the things you don't. So people are asking with a limited view of what God's glory is. And if their view isn't limited, they understand what God's glory is. They're asking amiss. They're asking based on what they want. They're asking from the premise of pieces and parts and not the fullness of who God is. And then they describe his glory based on their feelings and emotions. How am I feeling today? Well, God, I need your comfort. So if I feel better, uh, then, you know, then I guess I experienced your glory. Uh, Lord, I need you to take this pain away. Well, if, if the pain goes away, then God's glory showed up. Um, Lord, I need you to fix this situation. If the situation regulates, then God's glory showed up. There is no, there. if you listen to what I said, there's absolutely no engagement from the requester. No provocation. It's all about God, what you gonna do for me? How you going to make me feel better? How you going to fix this situation based off of feelings and emotions? But when we transcend that level of thinking, when we move beyond the sensory realm into the mind of God, his intellect, his perspectives and his judgments, now we are requesting and expecting God based on his precedence, on his terms. Do y'all hear what I'm saying? It's not about me. It's not about you. It's about what is it that you want, God? So we request and expect based on his precedence, on his pattern. And then we describe it. We describe his glory as truth. There is no other option when we're talking about God's mind and intellect and his intent, it's true. And then it is judged by the fulfillment of God's intent, his desires, not ours. The Bible declares that um, if we, and I, I believe I'm, I'm quoting this right, if we meditate on God, if, if, if we focus on God, then he will fulfill the desires of our heart. People twist that scripture for their own good, not for what God wants, but for what they want. They, they quote that scripture, misuse it and all of that and had nothing to do with God, nothing. But that scripture is about if we align with God's intent, if we apprehend his, his um, will, if we, if we make, if we become one with it, then the desires that be fulfilled will be his intent and not ours because we are so one with him that whenever, whatever it has to do with him, then we are okay. Even if we're still in pain, even if we're still not comforted, even if we're still hurt, even if the situation is bad or gets worse, God's will is preeminent. And that's how we judge his glory. 
not based on us and our emotions, but on what God's will and desire is. And let me tell you something right here. This is so very important. When we operate from this perspective, it, it requires full engagement. We are living and echoing God's will with great intention and intensity. You remember I just said, if it still hurts, if the situation is still the same, if we're still not comforted, we are still engaged with being one and reverberating the sound of heaven. I didn't get my way, but it doesn't stop the show. I'm not out front doing a solo, but it doesn't stop the show. We still got to keep pushing forward. We still got to keep doing God's will. We still got to um, present and demonstrate who Christ is in the earth. We still got to bear the image. It's still back to the beginning of image and likeness. One, one sound should not be stopping the show. So I hope that this is, com com you know, is coming across correctly and, and that you're understanding the weight of what this means. This is where we are supposed to be operating from. This is what it looks like to get your head in the cloud. Hear what I'm saying, that there's full engagement. And I just did here, we're going to go to Acts um, chapter, mainly chapter two, but um, there's a few scriptures and uh, verses in chapter one that, uh, that we'll be talking about as well. But I wanted to do the same blueprint so you can see God's precedent overlaid on what was happening in the New Testament so that you can see God doesn't change. He, he remains the same. He's consistent. And so here again, we see the same pattern, environment established, purpose established, uh, the, the vessel sent, God revealed the purpose, and, and God is able to rest, meaning come and commune with his people. So um, let me see. Hope you have your paper Bibles, because that's what I'm going to. Acts uh, 2. And I'm, again, I'm just going to read just a few of these verses. And when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. Did y'all hear that? One accord, one place. One accord, one place. Um, and suddenly there came a sound from heaven. The sound couldn't come unless oneness was intact, which is God's original purpose, likeness and image. That, 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 that oneness, that family, that, that, that um, unity. And if you remember back in chapter one, Jesus told them, listen, um, go wait, wait for the spirit to come. And, so, and when he comes, you're going to be able to, you're going to be empowered to be my witnesses, Jerusalem, Samaria, and the uttermost parts. So then the purpose was established um, from the beginning, but then, um, he revealed it to them back in chapter one, but the vessels were created and sent. He has sent them. They had already been, they had listened to the instruction from Jesus in chapter one. They got together. They were praying. They were waiting with expectation. This is that they, they, they were one and their oneness, man, their oneness literally provoked God to come to pour out his spirit. It was the perfect conditions for God to show up. And so um, he was able to rest with them. He was able to commune with them. And as a result, as a result of their oneness, attracting the sound of heaven and them giving heaven back to heaven, we'll get into that in a minute. They were empowered to preach the gospel to people who weren't even, they weren't even saved. They didn't even know nothing about all this, but they heard the gospel in their own language. Come on with God's intent. If we would just be one and get our minds aligned with, with, with God, if we would get our mind in the cloud, I hope that makes sense. And so the other thing I want to point out here is that, um, the day of Pentecost was the day, and I'm not going to get into detail about this. You can study it yourself. The day of Pentecost 
is important here because most Christians only um, relate Pentecost to the outpouring of Holy Spirit. But when you go back to understand what Pentecost was about, that they were celebrating the completion of the harvest. It was a finished work. It was done. So here they are. They had decided to be one personally and you know, vertically and horizontally. They, did, they, they came to one place physically. They made the sign of heaven, which attracted the presence of God and all that he is. And they did it on the day in which it represents the celebration of the completion of harvest. Y'all don't, y'all ain't hearing me. <laughs> y'all ain't, y'all not hearing what I'm saying. The, the conditions were perfect for God to commune with his people. You remember down at the bottom in Genesis, God was able to rest because he saw his entire finished plan working itself. He didn't have to do anything. He set it all in motion. And here we have the perfect conditions for the same exact thing, for image and likeness to go forth, to be preached, to be taught, to be heard in different languages. This is this was the epicenter, the central point at which the gospel went out to all the earth. So God was able to commune. He was able to come. He was able to bring his mind to the situation so they would be empowered to share what his intent was with the world. So this is, listen, I'm Lord, let me calm down because this is so heavy. Uh, um, I, like I said, this lesson is still uh, expanding in me. And I pray that it does the same for you. Um, so I want to, I want to emphasize a particular point here in Acts chapter two, verse two, it says, and suddenly there came a sound from heaven. Now, mind you, there's no cloud here, but the intent is there. The oneness, the sound God's mind had, 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 had come. So I hope, I hope you understand that that's synonymous. So I want to emphasize an interesting point here. In Acts 2, ch- chapter 2, verse 2, the word sound is, I'm not even going to mess that up, but it's the Greek word E-C-O-S, E-C-H-O-S, echoes. And, and that word looks familiar, correct? It looks like our English word echo. And our English word echo means a sound or series of sounds caused by, get this, and we know this, but it's something about hearing it and reading it. Reflection, the sounds are caused by the reflection of sound waves from a surface back to the listener. So it's a sound that goes out and then it, it, it echoes it, it echoes and it, it reverberates out further. Even it comes back to the listener and the one who who sent the original sound out. But then it expands. It doesn't just stay in that one place. It goes out. There, here we have in Acts two that the sound of heaven is going out. The echo is going out. Um, echo also means the repetition in structure and content of one speaker's utterance by another. So essentially that means that when the sound came, the the Holy Spirit was echoing or repeating what he heard from God. Isn't that what Jesus said? Didn't he even say that when Holy Spirit come, he gonna say what God said? I mean, it's all the word. It's all the word. And so we are mandated to do the same. We are repeating. When we make the sound of heaven, we are repeating God's mind. We are repeating his his intent. We are echoing from the original source, the original intent, uninterrupted. Um, Echo also means to restate in support or agreement. When we echo, we have agreed with what we're echoing. We We have aligned with um, and, re- and restating what God established as the precedent. Then echo also means to send back a sound by the reflection of the sound wave. So God made a sound when he made us from the beginning. 
when he established his purpose, he put the sound in us individually. We come together and we make the sound of heaven. And so not only is the sound going out to the world, but the sound is going back to God, to the original source. And when God hears his sound, he is obligated to come, not just in his majesty and in his brilliance, but he is obligated to respond to himself. I hope God has God is obligated to respond to himself, which is why he is so adamant that we keep our head in the cloud. He is so adamant that we be one. He is so adamant that we get this because we are supposed to be echoing his intent and get this. When you, when this Greek word is the, the, the Greek definition, I just gave you the English definition, the Greek definition uh, sound is defined as report. Ah, this is so good. So let me read Acts 2 and 2 with this word. And suddenly there came a report from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind. And it filled all the house where they were sitting. Listen. God sent a report down to his people, a report that they were supposed to read by the spirit and take to the uttermost parts of the world. What report? You know, when we say what report will you believe? What report will you believe? What report will you convey? What report will you display? What report? What sound are you making? Are you making the sound of heaven? And the only way you can do that is if you get your head in the cloud. Somebody needs to understand this. Please understand this. And I have these pictures here, but when you look at the drop of water that lands, do you see the ripples? That's an echo. That's an echo. The message, the report from the water that drops, the drop, it begins to transmit the message to the uttermost, to the outer parts, to those who don't know, to those who are ignorant, to those who are looking, to those who are lost. There is an echo. There is a reverberation of the sound of heaven because the people of God chose to be one and to get their head in the cloud. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for your word, for it is good. We can't accurately share the gospel and properly reflect the image of Christ if we don't get our heads in the cloud. This should be easy to understand. It is logical. It is spiritual. Come on. We a reflection means to echo. We're giving the sound of God back to God and it's going out to the world. And so if we don't, listen, let me calm down because I'm getting ahead of myself. We must get our head in the cloud. If we are to convey his intent, we must first know his intent. How are we gonna how how we're supposed to know that? Get your head in the cloud. Get your you you've heard this term too. Get your head in the game. Like get focused, get sure, get stable. Get your head in the cloud. Psalm 25 and 14. And I'm a, I want to read this. And at what time do I have? Okay, I'm, I'm just a few more minutes, y'all, and I'll be done. Uh, Psalm 25 and 14. And this is 14. Um, the word declares, the secret of the Lord is with them that fear him, and he will show them his covenant. That is God's intent, his covenant. But it says the secret is with them that fear him. So what that means is that's reverential. They're aligned with his purpose, which is likeness and image and oneness, and their head is in the cloud. So he entrusts his intent to us who are aligned that way. And then John 15 and 15 is parallel to that. And that's where Jesus says um, something to the effect of uh, the master shares his, his plans 
with his friends. And let me read that, uh, 15 and 15. Henceforth, I call you not servants, for the servant knoweth not what his Lord doeth. But I have called you friends, for all things that I have heard of my father, I have made known unto you. Come on, somebody. If we are ever to know God's intent, we must, I mean, if we're, if we're ever to convey his intent, we must first know his intent. Then if we are to know his intent, we have to access his mind. We got to get our mind in the cloud. Now, this is good. Proverbs 25 and two. Now, I know most of you know this. This is the, the glory of God is to do what? To conceal a matter, right? Well, why would, why would God conceal it? Because he is not after, God is not after, um, let me see. God is not after forcing us to worship him, forcing us to bear his image. He's not after that. He's looking for willful um, participation in his plan. And so what he does is he conceals certain things so that those who really want him really want to know his heart, will dig and search and find and seek and look and knock. So it is God's, now, now we remember what glory means, our new understanding, we're a fuller understanding. It is the glory or the mind of God to conceal a thing. But the honor of kings is to search out a matter. Those who want to know will press in to find out. And then if we are to access God's mind, we must willfully align individually and corporately. We are one. We are one. And so at the end of the day, we can, we can, we can make the, the declaration that God has always spoken and speaking, directed and directing, led and leading, moved and moving, through the cloud. Now, when you go, I have a whole list of scriptures about, you know, God moving in the cloud. We understand he led the children of Israel, uh, cloud by day, pillar of, of fire by night. But when you look at the fire, the fire even produces a cloud. It's the smoke. It produces a cloud. And, and, and basically they weren't, they weren't following the cloud to feel better. <laughs> they weren't following the cloud for their, I mean, to, to get what they wanted. They were following the instructions of God. His mind was leading them. His intent was leading them. His purpose was leading them. Go this way. And when the cloud didn't lift off of the, the, um, the, the tent of meeting, it meant y'all need to stay right here. There's no movement. When it got up and started moving, they knew it's time to go. The mind of Christ was leading and directing. Go this way, go this way. Do this, do that. It was all about leading, guiding God's intent, his purpose. He's always been doing that throughout scripture. Um, I just want to point out a few that are really, um, really important to me. When you look at Exodus 25, 15 through 18, it talks about how Moses went up into the mountain for 40 days and God spoke with him there. The, I, 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 don't, I don't take it lightly that Moses went up into the cloud. He went up into the mind of God. He intentionally pressed up. Now, when they say look up and you know, people are physically looking up at heaven and everything, but looking up for the true believer is looking in because Christ in us, the hope of glory, God's mind, intent and purpose. So I love this. Moses went up into the mountain for 40 days. He went up into the mind of God. He didn't, he wasn't looking for his intent. He needed to know how to lead these people. He needed to know which way to go. We, we need to get our mind in the cloud if we are ever, if we're ever going to walk out the will of God in its fullness. I hope y'all understand this. Um, and, and, Woo, even in Numbers 10 and, uh, 11 and 25, God himself ordained the scribes, not just the scribes, the 70 leaders, which was comprised of the elders, the priests, and the scribes, but God himself out of the cloud ordained, commissioned, and sent them and set them in place. His mind, 
His purpose did that. He is his purpose. Oh, Lord have mercy. He, he does all of this from the cloud and a lot of it is symbolic. They actually saw a cloud then, but it's symbolic for us now. His mind is leading us. The Bible tells us that we have the mind of Christ. It doesn't say we had the mind of Christ. We have the mind of Christ. Are we accessing? Are we getting our head in the cloud? Are we moving from God's intent? Are we carrying out his will and purpose? God, even in his direction, he corrects. In uh, Numbers 12 and 5, he called Aaron and Miriam from the cloud. He said, come come here. I need to talk to y'all about a couple of things. And he corrected them out of the cloud. That doesn't mean that he hated them. He loved them. His correction is love. But he did it out of the cloud, out of his mind. He wasn't trying to make them feel better. And, I, and God does make us feel better. I don't want you to, to take away that, that I'm, you know, we're just supposed to be suffering and all this. God will comfort us. He will give us peace. He will do all these things. But he is, his, his intent is that we grow up, we mature, we, that we transform in the name of Jesus, that we're able to come to a place of alignment in our mind and our emotions and our feelings and all of that so that we can truly bear the full image, the complete image of God. Get our head in the cloud. This is what the Bible is telling us. Get our heads in the clouds. Access the mind of God. Access the mind of God. In the New Testament, we see God operating out of the cloud. He told the, 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 the inner circle at the, um, when the, the transfiguration, this is my son. I'm, I'm, I'm well pleased. Even when Jesus was, was got baptized, it, God didn't show up in the cloud then. He showed up um, in the form of a dove. But listen, it's still the same principle. It was oneness taking place. The environment was what it needed to be. And so God could show up and commune. He could talk to the people. He, 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 could, he could speak. He could share his mind and his perspective. God is pleased that he, he, he showed up in the cloud and he communicated that. And, and even in Luke 21 and 27, oh, I'm not going to go there. I, I got to talk to Apostle Teresa about that scripture. <laughs> um, but, oh, I mean, 2 Corinthians 3 and 18, where it talks about um, we behold his glory and then we're transformed because of it. But the reason is we're transformed is because his glory is his mind and we have decided intentionally to take hold of his mind. So then it provokes us and moves us into a place of transformation. Um, 2 Corinthians 3, 13 through 18. The, our minds, you know, blinded by the, the, the God of this world and all of that. Um, that. That's because we haven't decided. And I say we because I'm just talking about mankind. Um, but when we don't decide to get our heads in the cloud, we move from a place of blindness and limitation. And so we have to get our mind in the cloud. Um, like I told you earlier, 1 Corinthians 2 and 16, that we have the mind, which is the intent, purpose, judgments, reasoning, feelings, desires, intellectual capacity, perception and perspective, the will and understanding of Christ, which comes from the Father. We were created to have our mind, to have our head in the cloud. We were created for that. And then um, 1 Corinthians 1, 18 through 31 God is using the foolish things to confound the wise. This is why he conceals things. This is why he conceals things. And what does that have to do with getting our head in the cloud? Because as you read through that, you, you will see that if we are to glory in anything, it is to glory in Christ because we have the mind of Christ. We understand God's intent and we just have to get our head in the cloud to align with it, to know it, to become one with it so that we can make the sound of heaven. So this is my declaration today and, and I pray that it was conveyed in a way that you can understand. Get your head 
in the cloud. And when you do, this is what will happen by the spirit. And yes, there will be manifestations in the natural. People will be healed. People will be set free. People will come out of places of stagnation. Um, communities will be uh, reconciled. Families will, will, will come out of chaos and toxicity. Um, God will do miraculous things. And if you look closely at this picture, you will see the sound of heaven, but you will see the cloud behind it. You will see the cloud behind it. It is the mind of God that will generate the sound of heaven. And if we align with him, we will do the same. Um, that's all I have. <clears throat> Are there any questions? I'm going to stop my slideshow. And I'm going to stop sharing my screen. All right. Um, so the floor is open. Um, if anybody has any questions, anybody, Dominique, do you see any questions that have been going forth? Not yet. I okay. just waiting on them, except for a lot of thank yous, a lot of incredible, phenomenal, just amazing, just amazing. The, fl the floor is open. If you have questions, raise your hand or just um, unmute and speak up. But uh, this is the time to ask. 